Hello and welcome to another episode of Northwestify, the podcast focused on technology and digital sector in Manchester and the wider Northwest region. Uh, we like to get under the covers and behind the scenes of the glossy websites and carefully crafted social media accounts of some of the region's tech startups and tech giants and speak to the people who make it all happen. With me in the studio is Zach Giorgio, tech recruitment's answer to Robbie Williams. <laughs> Say hi, Zach. Morning. And I'm very excited about this one. John. I know, I know. I'm, I'm literally nervous. So, and we have uh, Martin Keller, um, who is non-executive director on a number of businesses and uh, chair of Kitscan Children's Cancer Research. Hi, Martin. Hello, everyone. And I've got Christian Hill from Project Simply, um, who is a digital experience expert, and, uh, but obviously there's a bit of specialization there, which we want to find out more about as well, Christian. Yep, hello. So what I'd like to do, maybe start off and ask you a little bit about yourselves and your business. So Christian, maybe you could start off, tell us a bit about yourself and also about Project Simply and how that came about. Well, I'm 41 years old. I've got a lovely family. And I've also got a business uh, in Manchester, uh, which has been going for about nine or 10 years. It's morphed quite a lot, but I guess where we are right now, we are a brand and user experience agency, and we really focus on, on helping festival, venue, and lifestyle businesses. Um, we've also recently developed, and this kind of lends itself to what we're gonna be talking about today, we've developed our own tech uh, with inside yeah. the festival and venue sector, which is, pretty exciting and it's getting really good traction at the moment so I can talk about that more a bit later I guess yeah brilliant and uh, so Martin maybe you could give us a bit of an intro about yourself and why you're uh, what you what is you do yeah sure so um, I guess as you said before I'm a non-exec director to a number of businesses uh, my core role is uh, I'm a director and founder for a venture capital advisory firm called Walford Cunningham and Hayes uh, from that entity we then invest into a number of other businesses both in the northwest and a little bit further afield as well um, they range from kind of tech uh, through to security, uh, gyms, um, anything and anything really that we can kind of see an opportunity to work with some uh, amazing kind of founders to grow the businesses out and realize the you know, kind of full potential. Um, so that's what I kind of do as the inverted commas at day job. And then um, I also think it's really important that, you know, kind of uh, business individuals that we, we look to give something back. So, you know, CSR and that kind of aspect is really important to me. So. I'm also the chair of uh, children's cancer research charity called KidsCan, uh, which is based over in Salford at Salford University. So we um, raise money for uh, dedicated research into uh, children's cancer, which is quite groundbreaking because it, it does not get the funding which uh, which it should. Um, so again, that's something I'm quite kind of passionate about, and uh, I think it's important that we all do something to give something back. Yeah, great that. Um, so you you haven't always lived here right you moved you were in the channel islands for seven years and you came back because obviously the weather uh, drew you back from there yeah, yeah i mean why would you why would you live on an on an island i was, I was thinking that today i walked in the rain <laughs> with yeah. an umbrella up yeah i know so what uh, presumably it wasn't the weather that dragged you back here not, so what was quiet, it what was it so obviously when I was kind of looking at a place to be based uh, for what I do, I was looking at the Northwest. This is probably about oh, a good kind of five years ago now. And I could kind of see that I think there's a really vibrant community in Manchester within the kind of startup and tech community. And there's also that willingness that people want to work together uh, and kind of help each other grow their businesses. And for me, that was a big kind of tip point in terms of, you know, looking for somewhere to base yourself and look for opportunities to uh invest and working you know with budding entrepreneurs as it were so i could kind of see that as a fantastic place that we could kind of grow our business and what we wanted to do i think in terms of positioning for for manchester within the uk as well 
It's got fantastic uh, links in terms of, you know, I can be in London in two hours where I've got friends live down south. You know, it takes them two hours to commute and they <laughs> supposedly live near London. So, you know, that uh, we've got those fantastic links. We can be in Edinburgh in kind of two and a half, three. So it's really kind of well located for that. We've got Manchester Airport for international flights. So when we're, we're flying, we do quite a lot of work in the Channel Islands still and, and in Europe. I'm sure we'll get on to so we do have to travel quite a lot so things like that are important to us but obviously we have to be based in a, a kind of vibrant business community which is going to support your growth and be keen to work together and share those kind of opportunities as they come along so that's that's the main reasons why we really love to come back to Manchester yeah so it's obviously quite a good hub really for that it's it is a brilliant tech hub and we've mentioned that multiple times on the show I think it's it yeah. is one and I've heard it said oh, yeah, we want to be a great tech hub but then I've heard other people say we'd like to be the tech hub and I think that's ambitious, but... I think it's the community that drives that, though, because it, it's one thing for, for a local government, for instance, to say that they want to do that, but I think it has to be driven by the individuals that are active in the economy and are in those kind of sectors. And I think that's something we're really lucky with in Manchester. I think people are that, that way inclined in that mindset. Probably ask Christian the same question, but just sort of even from your perspective, in a minute we can probably touch on this, but how it's changed even in the five years since you've been back, because I yeah, think there's absolutely. been a massive shift just in that period of time. Yeah. Never mind the time that you've been away and now you've come back, but maybe it'd be good to sort of pick Christian's brain on that because he's been here all the time and never left having the business for nine years as well. I would imagine that's been a massive change. So it has. I did leave actually, I went to London for seven years and then came back. Saw the light then. Well, saw the light in London and came back to the dark. <laughs> saw the sun. Thought I'd come back to the rain. Back to the rain. Yeah. I was too dry. I was too dry down there. So what, what did draw you back, Christian? A, a number of things drew me back. I mean, I am from here, so I missed it. Yeah. I miss my family and friends. But what made me stay in Manchester was, and I'd mirror some of the things that Martin talked about, which is this, having lived in London, I've seen both sides of the coin, this real sense of community, of giving, of, of sharing knowledge. I certainly wouldn't be, particularly in the, last, in the last few years, I wouldn't have done what I've done with inside my business without the support of people around me who you would deem are in competing businesses but are willing to give their, their knowledge across to help you get a leg up. So that was a big thing. I also thought the cost of living was pretty good in Manchester compared to London. And at the same time, there was lots of businesses who were moving up north. Uh, you know, we can talk about the skills gap all day, can't we? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on it, but lots of businesses were moving back up north because of the, the, the great technology up here from the, the great universities we've got. So I could see Manchester being a place to, to stay. I thought there was exciting things going on and that I kind of wanted to be part of that. So tell, tell me about the steps then. You started your own business. Did you move back and then take a day job and then start a business or what was no, the order there no that's that's far too safe <laughs> um I, I came back from london and, and sort of retrained as it were i went and did a, a master's at mbs and there was a big marketing element of that and at, the, uh, at that time there was this sort of proliferation of digital the ability to compete with bigger players by being a bit smarter about things and being creative and I just literally came out of that and set up a business. Wow. Just started going after it. And just it. went for it. Yeah, and it was hard, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a natural networker. You know, I don't mind being around people, but I find it hard to just walk into a room and start chatting to people. Talking you, on you microphones. Need, talking on mics. You need to take Zach with you. Take Zach with you. He's amazing. I, he dragged me to an event uh, a few years ago, and he just walks straight up to people and, and tells them who they are. And they say, oh, you're a recruiter. And they just 
you know, turn their head away. Who's on to the next guy? He's incredible. Yeah. yeah. If only I knew in yeah. there. Yeah. So, uh, with, yeah, his, t- with his full head of hair. <laughs> long, flowing, <laughs> long, boyish <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah. um, suppose a couple of things just to touch on now, it's quite interesting because you both alluded to the community thing. And I think yeah. that's a big thing. Obviously, you've got, London, really, really expensive. We know cost of living is so much better here. Don't know about the weather, as we've discussed already, but the cost of living certainly is substantially cheaper. But somebody said to me the other day that Manchester's turning into a mini London in the respect of how it's expanding, how there's lots of stuff going on, tech, lots of people coming here. It's controversial, isn't it? <laughs> However, yeah. the community aspect that I think we've got here is is still amazing. I think people do look after each other. People think people do work with each other. And you've alluded to it there in regards to your network. I think when we set up Chroma, we went to our network straight away and it really, really helped us. And if it wasn't for the network that we had and how everyone supported each other, I don't think probably would have been as successful as what we are now. Do we think that continues to happen? Or do you think, going back to the point of it being potentially turning into Mini London, that will end up changing? Or do you think the community will still remain together? What, what do they mean by Mini London? What is, what, we're getting bigger? Loads of different places to go out, loads of restaurants oh, good though, isn't it? loads of exciting things happening, mm. loads of, you know, like, Everyone commuting into the city. I mean, yeah, I think the commuter thing is in that people living further out, and there's yeah. people living in and commuting, and potentially people commuting from further afield as well, rather than just the suburbs. If you remember many years ago, no one lived in the city, did they? No. Everyone came to say, you get in your car, you'd be in town in half an hour, wouldn't you? Whereas now... Oh, those are know, the days. <laughs> you're getting on a cram train. It's a bit like the classic ants all coming into the city yeah. to work and stuff like that. But 15 years ago, you wouldn't even want to come into the city, really. 20 years ago. It wasn't a vibrant you? business hub. I mean, spinning fields, you know, to be fair, what well, you did if you wanted to go for a rave or something. Yeah, yeah. or to, yeah, to chance it. <laughs> yeah, certainly. It's changed a hell of a lot. I mean, there's been billions of pounds kind of pumped into Manchester, into the city centre, and it, it's just a very different place now, I guess. Yeah. Um, going on the kind of population growth, I think it was something ridiculous, like in the tens of thousands, even, you know, 10 years ago. Now it's surpassing, I think it's 100,000, I kind of thought. It might be yeah, more than yeah. that now without checking it. Sorry, I'm just going to note something. I read an article literally about a week ago which said that Manchester is to add 100,000 people and 65,000 jobs within the next 20 years. That was a good guess then, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> Did I write that? <laughs> yeah, just, check, just check the details on that. We need to do a bit of back, yeah. back-checking yeah. on this programme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you compare Manchester and London, there's still a huge gap in terms of the size of London, the actual business community in London. If you go into um, like a, an IOD Pall Mall, for instance, in London, the chances are you're not going to say the same person every day you go in there. Manchester's still got that small kind of, or certainly to me it feels like a small community that, you know, most people, if you speak to someone at an event, they'll know someone. If you network in an event, they'll tend to know these key people that know 50,000 people. Certainly feel, feels that way sometimes. I think that's where Manchester is really quite unique. So it's got that ability to have a large economy um, which I think is now kind of larger than Ireland and Wales and so on and so forth but it's still got that kind of you know that small community kind of spirit within certainly I feel within the kind of business side whereas if you go to London it's an amazing place to kind of do business Uh, and as I say we're down there quite a lot and we're still working down there as I'm sure we all are 
but it's just nice to kind of come up here and get that kind of feel for your back where you know you can walk down the street and go how you doing you know how'd you get on the other day etc etc whereas in london you don't get that i don't think people care don't they still here i think that's a difference I'd, i'd like to think so yeah i'd like to think so i think you've hit the nail on the head when you're saying about community both have mentioned it and there's one you picked up on it i'm picking up on it i think that's what makes manchester different and I'm think when you said it I thought of the tech community so I, I do a little bit of consultancy a couple of days a week at Royal, Royal London and they were saying oh we want to get our developers down to the um, the tech meetups in, in Manchester which ones should we go to you know you're you're in Manchester John what's the tech scene like and I pulled up the there's a, like a tech calendar someone's created and collated all the different events and you can just look at it and there's something on every night of the week to the point where developers have to who want to run a night have to pick it carefully it's like organizing your your son's birthday party make sure it doesn't clash with the other kids birthday yeah. parties in the school and it's like <laughs> that you know? the coolest then, you're fine. <laughs> then yeah fine <laughs> right exactly i want to go to yours <laughs> and so that's that's amazing that you can go every night of the week to a tech event and some people do they're at yeah. loads of them and yeah i think about london so i'm in the the ruby development space you think about london they've got a really big ruby development community and there's like 40 50 60 people go to that event and we have a much smaller community here, but everyone literally knows that we, we all know each other. And there's a little bit of cross-pollination as well. So I think, and it sounds like it happens in the business space as well. You know, when you go to a networking event, you see someone you know. That's happened to me a few times. Mm. I think that's really great as well. I wouldn't want to forget about Leeds or Liverpool either in this. Because yeah. I think they've got a similar, a similar spirit and a similar vibe to what we've got. You know, I haven't heard, you know, there was about a month's period where you heard a lot about this Northern Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. You don't hear much about that anymore, but it feels like something is still happening. What's your view on that? I think it is. I think it is. However, I still think that there's probably, sadly, a little bit of territory. Manchester's the best or Liverpool's the best or Leeds is the best. And I think Manchester's probably still on a bit of a march because of its uh, network links, because I think it's very, very easy. Global airport on your doorstep makes a big difference to me and so on. So I think people have, and I think there's probably still a little bit of the old school on Manchester's better than Liverpool or Leeds, etc., etc. However, I think the biggest challenge, personally, probably is still the commuter links. I think, as Martin alluded to before, it's very easy to get to London, isn't it? However, it probably takes you about an hour on the train to Leeds, is it? Yeah, it's not, it's not the easiest on Liverpool as well. Yeah. If I was the government, I'd be spending money on building that network in really, really well to those areas being able to support each other better. So rather than spend money on getting an extra half an hour quicker to London on the HS2 all line, I'd be developing more about those networks because I think... 100%, absolutely, mate, 100%. Yeah, I think what tends to happen is if you look at these isolated, like Bristol's out on its own, isn't it? Newcastle's out on its own. And actually, the spine as of such, so from Manchester, Birmingham, London, it's actually really easy to get to. If you try and go to Manchester to like Bradford, yeah, or, or even <laughs> down to the southwest or to the northeast, it's a nightmare. It takes yeah. forever. So if they could get those links better, just even in that small area, yeah. I think that would make a big difference. Mm, okay, I come to your point, Christian. I think you're right that we we do tend to we are a bit biased. Obviously, we live in the city, and that's that's the bit we know the best. But I lived in Liverpool for five, six years. I studied there, and it's a fantastic city. And there's definitely a, a tech scene there. You know, and I know that I can see it, and obviously we get, we get the people coming over. I think possibly, and I'm trying to be as objective as I can, geographically, Manchester is between Liverpool, Sheffield, 
leads to the north. So they, yeah. they are re- reasonably well positioned from that point of view. Um, so I think they might have a, a bit of an edge. Obviously, you mentioned the airport as well. I think the airport, I think it's it yeah. makes such a difference because there's so much investment that can come in. Look at what the Chinese are doing and what they're spending. I mean, I don't know facts. I'm spouting information that I've read, but I'm led to believe they're putting a lot of information. You could take a guess, couldn't you, Martin? <laughs> I, just, I was just going to say, just guess. No one knows. It's all right. <laughs> but I'm, nope. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, if, if anyone has exact numbers, please feel free to share them. But we'll just guess otherwise. I'm led, to, I'm led to believe that they're spending... 100,000? <laughs> it's like a trillion, bazillion dollars, I believe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so I've heard. Government told me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a leaked government document. Yeah, it was. Very leaked. <laughs> um, but, you know, they are. They spend loads of money, aren't they, on Airport City? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was actually there the other day. Um, I was invited to go around a tour. And uh, it's amazing, like, what they're doing. You know, and it's going to make it. For me now, when you walk in there with all the improvements they're making in T2, it's becoming an international airport. It's got that feel around it now that when you're in international hubs in Europe, it's a similar kind of feel and setup, and that's what we need. You know, I think going back to your point around the powerhouse and things, you know, a lot of that was driven by by the South, like kind of giving it to the poor cousins up North. Well, you know, here's a powerhouse idea, run with it. Or oh, something else has come up now that we need to deal with, which is the dreaded B word. So we'll probably just put that to one side for now and uh, let you guys get on with whatever you do up there in the north. And uh, it's down to us now to kind of drive that, take ownership of it and drive it forward. It shouldn't be that it's a marketing concept, someone's wrapped a name around it. I think as a region, and again, going back to your point, I, when I talk about Manchester, I think about Greater Manchester on its whole. We've got... Stockport, for instance, is having some amazing investment into it. That's having a billion pounds put into it, into Stockport Centre. Yeah. Near, near you? Yeah, near needs Christian it. There. I was there at the weekend. And it's <laughs> 10 minutes closer to London. Yeah, <laughs> he is. 10 minutes closer. Than me. And for HS2, that's costing how many billion? So, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> Don't bother train. with HS2, move to Stockport. <laughs> every train. Every train that comes into Manchester Piccadilly stop at Stockport. Uh, yes, quite a Everything that yeah, goes yeah. over that viaduct has to stop. Yeah, yeah some there kind of crazy Stocktonians make it. the centre of the universe yeah so I think it's amazing when you look at the regions you know outside as well Greater Manchester on a whole there's a lot of money coming in I think everyone's kind of taking ownership now of creating our own powerhouse and I'm sure Liverpool Leeds everyone Sheffield they're probably all claiming the same thing as well obviously we're in Manchester so we want to claim it our first so you know (laughs) and and there's a lot of big businesses coming to Manchester that's driving this as well let's not forget over the last few years the BBC probably started it yeah absolutely but over the last few years who've we had recently kpmg you've um, had um, amazon amazon um, yeah raytheon gchq sainsbury's ben yeah. 365 jaguar yeah. land rover jaguar moon land pig. Rover, moon pig yeah Lakers. which which it's throws massive. up its own problems for, for people in our business Probably yeah. not so much your business, Zach. It's, it's good for your business. Yeah. Yeah. Zach's rubbing his hands yeah. together now, everyone. <laughs> Each one is on a dollar sign. Every time you mention one, it's a slurry of smiles coming across yeah. my face. Uh, you know, I think let's touch on that. We talk about you know the, the shortage in the tech community. And we've talked about it again on this podcast before, but I think it's worth it interesting to hear your guys' point of view and how you're finding it. Maybe start with you, Christian. Yeah, yeah. Recruitment specifically. Yeah. Not worried. And retention. Yeah, yeah, not worried. Um, <clears throat> Retention-wise, we've got a really great core team that have been with us for years now. We've never flexed above sort of 10, 11 people, to be honest, and that's kind of the way I like it. Uh, one of the reasons we're actually developing a product is that we can scale the business without adding too many heads, uh, and, but grow profitability. 
recruiting again i'm not too worried i know it's hard and it is hard for us as well but i think we're in a quite a unique position we've got a, a business which works in quite an exciting sector which is festivals and you know we work on some of the biggest yeah. festivals in the world really yeah. some huge names of some huge names side. and lots of design developers want to work on that sort of stuff so in that respect it's it's quite an easy win for saying okay this is the sort of stuff you're going to work on or you could go to sainsbury's and do um, the color, you could work on colors on checkouts, let's say. Yeah, well, exactly. Or you do the whole can, product. Can we drop those. some names now? Because I just want to know who you're working with. <laughs> yeah, it's on his website. So it's not like it's in the, it's in the public domain. Go on. It is in the public. But people like Part Life, you know, we're working with Part Life, which, oh, is, cool. which is a huge festival for Manchester. It's big for the Manchester economy, but it's known globally. Mm. So in, in that respect, we, we don't see the competition and we can't afford the salaries that Sainsbury's and people like that are banging about. We can't. But I don't think that your modern developer is looking for just a fat wage. I think they're looking for a quality of life. They're looking for some pride in their work and, and doing something that means something to them. So on that level, I mean, we treat we treat everyone really well, as everyone should. We do a lot of the things that I think are standard these days, which is being flexible around working hours and team lunches and all that sort of jazz so yeah we just look after people and we work in an exciting sector and do great work so yeah do you, not, not too worried do you think that the tech boom has affected your strategy or because you're working uk wide or even maybe globally so we're, we're looking to look work globally because we've got okay. something that's that's going to travel well now okay um which is which is a product right so because it's a SaaS product it's not massively affected a strategy because of the boom that's going on here no i think that what the tech boom's done here is solidified the product that we've developed I perhaps if we hadn't had the tech boom here and had people in manchester who had been there and done it and, and had seen people doing it within service businesses particularly perhaps we wouldn't have done it okay. or perhaps it had been longer for us to do it but okay. because i'd spoken to people <clears throat> yeah. very openly about what what they were doing and they would give me their knowledge it's helped us Let's bring it to the fore quicker. Right. I'm, I'm guessing you must work some pretty interesting tech because if you're doing something like Park Life, that's very spiky in terms of traffic, right? So you have to be able to scale quickly. Is that it's an issue not, for you? It's, no, it's not. So we, I mean, we are doing the hosting. Yeah. We've got a hosting festival hosting package as well now, but our tech is more around the the website yeah. of the festival. So it's 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 a technology that sits on top of a couple of different open source frameworks. It allows us to build a bit quicker in a more of a modular way, which means we can either reduce the cost or we can put more time into creative. And it also allows the festivals themselves to manage their whole website lifecycle without any third party help. So it massively reduces wastage, time wastage for the marketing team. It means they don't have to come to us every every five minutes saying, can we do this now? Can we change this now? Because they can do it themselves. And they get something quicker and a little bit cheaper, but with no less quality. Yeah. Brilliant. So it's, it's quite a specific subset of the market, festivals. How did you fall into that? Did you start there? Was that your, was that your initial idea? No. So I think our journey has always been one of sort of feeling our way a little bit. I started out just doing everything and anything. Um, but I always had this desire to be niche, always wanted to be niche because I just knew that once you hit a, a niche in a growing sector, 
you could really do you could do so well because you're not reinventing the wheel every time and you know you you've got something that people would want because they know you're the best at it in that in that thing and then we just fell into festivals you know we just got a couple of them and loved it and everyone in the office loved it and you know they're wonderful people to work with they're very creative so it's just it's just a great sector it's a growing sector it's something that seems to be growing constantly everyone's putting on you can call them festivals but they're events right so little events and all the way up to huge events and it's just a nice place to be i think being niche is is the way it's going isn't it if you want to start your own business you can actually be a player with a great idea and a good product and the right people yeah you know well even um, large businesses now are actively trying to find <coughs> niche players yeah. because they're a lot more agile yeah. you know they're a lot more creative they haven't got that kind of large hierarchy which is kind of killing the creativity within them so they're actually kind of using it almost like an R&D bed as well so when a few years ago you'd never got on the supply you'd never get through your supply chains for a large institution for instance whereas now they're actually have like talent scouting teams going out trying to find people that are in those niches that they can kind of talk to and go you know what's working you know you're on the ground tell us what everyone wants you know like Christian will get direct kind of feedback from the kind of their clients as it were whereas normally they'd be so far removed from that that they don't have that additional intel. So they're kind of working with those players that can add that value to them now. I think what I love about it as well is the fact that, you know, Manchester was 25, 30 years ago, somewhere that was really, really cool for music. Mm-hmm. And rave scene started here, and obviously there's the old mill, so it was a textile scene. And I love the fact that obviously you sat within that space, and it is in Manchester, as well as some of these players like your Pretty Little Things and your boohoos of this world. The massive businesses, the unicorns now as well. But yeah. that's the heritage of what Manchester always was. It mm. was a textile <laughs> mill place and a music scene. and Invented was, the yeah, computer. Yeah. It was cool. Plus, yeah, <laughs> it's the in- industrial revolution. You exactly. Know, yeah. You know, it's uh, the worker bee mentality, isn't yeah. it? You know, when we'll make whatever we can make out of what we've got. So... At the moment, it's tech and using up the old mills for that. I mean, everyone's still in the old mills from 200 years ago. It's just that now we're doing computers and tech in them as opposed to yeah. weaving yeah. cotton. So, But we still keep into our heritage, aren't we? That's the thing, setting up businesses like that, that are from that's what we were. You know, yeah, like, creative. Those retail businesses, that's what we were, yeah. Mm. Mammon Textiles, now it's fast fashion or yeah. whatever you can describe it as. Just on um, the question that we gave to you, Christian, same to you, Martin. Is the tech boom in Manchester affecting your strategy in regards to looking out to acquire other tech businesses or invest in them, etc.? Is it going to cause you a problem? Um, I don't know if problem's the right word. I think all these things kind of lead to opportunities because you're getting people coming to the region because it's getting known as a kind of a tech hub. So people maybe are coming out of university, they're looking at where do they move. They might have been to Newcastle, for instance, or they might have been Edinburgh. They're kind of looking out now and go, where do I want to be based in the UK? They might look down south and go, crikey, that's quite expensive, you know, when I'm used to paying uni digs fees. Where can I go where there's opportunity to grow? And they're kind of seeing Manchester on it. And that's kind of great for businesses like ourselves because, that you know, there's an inflow of talent there into it. They'll all have these great ideas, you know, they, they're coming up with things all the time, maybe SaaS propositions or apps or anything like that that they can kind of think of. And 
then they're going well where do i start you know how do i go out where do we get investment from how do we fundraise for it do i need to look at non-execs do i need to develop my board what does the actual legal structure like and all these things you know i think and it goes back to support again that within manchester there's an awful lot of free support that people can get for that to start up their businesses so from us from from my side i'm kind of seeing it i feel like we're kind of in the middle of it all and that's not just for us i think that's for everybody and i think it'll only just drive opportunities Yes, there's a bit of pain because you you are, as we've kind of said, Christian said, and I'm sure we're all aware, you know, you are competing with bigger players which have got an open checkbook. However, I think a lot of those guys, they might win people for like an 18-month, two-year period. The individual might get enough for a deposit for the mortgage on the first house, but then it comes back to that kind of cultural fit. They don't want to be in that kind of, they don't want to be in an environment where people come in with suits, all that kind of stuff. They want to be in an environment where there's a, you know, I mean, it's as ridiculous as it sounds, kind of been driven a lot by the kind of community spaces that we see as well. You know, the kind of free beer, free cornflakes. It's all these, this kind of stuff now. And people kind of look at that and, uh, you know, as, as motivated by that as they are as the kind of paycheck, really. And um, that's what I've found anyway. Um, but it has been a struggle, you know, and obviously we've had to work with, well, with yourself, Zach, wasn't yeah. it? You know, so... Uh, did a fantastic job working with yourself to try and find that right individual. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. Shout out. I had <laughs> thanks, to give you a shout out. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> it only took three he's years. Ru- he's it's rubbing right. his hands together again. <laughs> you can cut that bit out, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he's just passing me, a, he's passed me a 50 now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until this is released. You'll get loads of calls from recruiters. Hey, yeah. oh, Martin, can we help you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why, why is the Queen's face coming up this now? <laughs> So I think I think you have to have quite a diverse strategy to get the right people, and I think it is a longer. I'm a, I'm a big believer, really, that traditional kind of interview processes don't work. I can't see how, over the course of forty five minutes to an hour, you can really get a feel for someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it gives them justice, and I don't think it, it gives your business justice for what you're offering as well. Because I always see it as a t- a two way streak. It's got to fit for both of you. Um, so we've kind of developed our own kind of process of how we make sure it's the right people, how they, we call it, like, you know, the, everyone calls it all different things, don't we? We call it like the beer test. Other people have got these like crisp packet tests and all this kind of stuff that go on with that one. What do you do? Just fill them full of beer? I mean, I think I would pass a beer That's test. That's slightly controversial. After they join Christian. <laughs> That's how we keep them. <laughs> Um, I think what's fantastic about it though is I suppose it comes back to that point it does it's it's more personal isn't it I think that's what it is here and I think that's what's good about it and I think like you say you're sort of in the middle of it and it provides opportunities but it still remains very personal in the respect of the fact that people do want to help each other and people will shout and I mean me and Christian know each other really, really well through our kids at school initially, but we become extremely good friends. And we talk about stuff, don't we? If something yeah. comes up, you help me out and vice versa. Whereas I think, like you say, if we are looking at that sort of middle, and we don't want to go down that route because it's just too big, too spread. Everyone's out for themselves. No one really looks after each other. Whereas here, we've not got that. And I think that's just mm. lovely to have, really. Yeah. And I think I think the, the way that the business community has developed as well, when we talk about like what's changed in the last kind of five years, it, it's a huge kind of uplifting the kind of uh, community working spaces now, where we're kind of seeing the old mills being converted into kind of you know, shared office space, communal areas, 
most of these kind of offices now have got auditoriums in them all, whereas I couldn't think of any of that kind of five years ago had had an auditorium where you could do an event. Because everyone was trying to think, where do we do an event? It was the old oh, Hotel XYZ. And that's definitely changed the last five years. You know, we're seeing those kind of community spaces pop up. Um, more traditional kind of office space, uh, people out there providing more traditional office space have seen that as well. And now they're kind of moving into that area and they're providing that for the, for the community as well. And I think that all that kind of comes together. Uh, and that just helps people. If you go into a, a shared kitchen, you're going to bump into people. You're going to go, oh, what, what are you guys working on? What are you doing? And that's how you kind of start sharing that kind of knowledge then, I think. Yeah. How much do you get that in your office? Are you in a shared office, Christian? Are you in a I'm, service office? you get your own place? What's the? So, yeah, we've got our own place in a really old building in the Northern Quarter. So any creative agency should have... Yeah. It's got a leak in the roof. Perfect. The walls are falling in. Nice. It's, you know, it can be really cold or really hot. It's great. <laughs> it's just, yeah. You, um, you know you're in the so northern quarter. Sounds like my house, that yeah. one. <laughs> it's very avant one of our selling points. We've got our own leak. Yeah. <laughs> Buckets as you walk in. <laughs> yeah. It's got yeah. its own, it's, this is it's Manchester. Got its own profile on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> we, do, we do things differently in Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's smack bang in the middle of Stevenson Square. It's right in the middle of it. It's, re it's really busy around there. Always yeah. something going on. I think that's so, what people want so to be. Great. Again, it's, good, it's, yeah. it's come right back around, isn't it, to the being community. Because yeah. yeah. that's what people want. They want the community. They want that feeling in the office. And they want that feeling when they go out the front door and go to the see a bit of life. They don't want to be, I think, I think people don't want to be working from home five days a week. No. And I think just to illuminate the, the Manchester-London divide once again, I, I've got an office space, decent-sized office, for not much money. Whereas in London, the equivalent would be probably five to ten times the amount, yeah. which would mean I wouldn't be able to pay people or give them the great things that they, they enjoy as much as I can. I think when you're in a product space, it makes so much sense. I, I worked for a consultancy and they had an office in London, a very expensive office, and all the Bevan had to commute into the middle of the city. And I was talking to the the CEO at the time and I said, you know, this is, must be ridiculously expensive. Why don't you move further out? And he said, just the prestige. Mm. If you're in a consultancy space, then the prestige of having a central London office, it pays for itself. And I can see yeah. why consultancy do that. Doesn't yeah. make, does not it's make different, sense. It's different sectors though, isn't it, yeah, as well? Correct. I mean, you know, I think there's certain sectors where you've got to have, um, like in some of our businesses, they have to have a very specific kind of office space, you yeah. know, with a company store units, things of that nature. They might have vans coming in and out every day and things. Like that. So it's getting that kind of mix really as well. But certainly I think at the moment we're kind of seeing more in the city centre that we're kind of going towards those kind of community spaces. And even larger players, what I think is really interesting is if you look at professional services firms, they're actually following that model now. Yeah. So if you go into, um, I'll give a shout out to like a PwC and KPMGs as well. If you go into their shared space, it, sorry, it feels like a shared space. You know, it actually feels like a we work now. Yeah. Which, if you look at that, I mean, it amazes me because I've always thought of them as they're, they're very traditional. They want to have their own desk. They want to have their own. Whereas now they're going towards the shared space, and it makes sense because they're always on client sites. Yeah. So it's going yeah. back to that cost. You know, why are you paying for two thousand head office, for instance, when you've only ever got? 800 people at a time in it. It's just crazy. So cut that down, create that environment, that shared space in those areas you normally have the desks, honk desk it and, and get that going for them. So and their, their clients are calling out for agile and agile transformations and, and yeah, yeah. trying to do, be more like your kind of company because new, aren't they? They're trying to get in. And the only way they can do that really is to live and breathe it. And I think that's why that's happening. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll give a shout to one of my businesses now. Yeah, good. Because that's got Agile in the title. Yeah. So I can use it. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a business called Agile Automations, which is building robotic process automations. So we work with a lot of businesses around how to actually develop their workforces and create uh, robotic workforces for them. So we're kind of, I like to think we're kind of at the forefront in how people are changing how they work. So we're kind of empowering the workforce to really add value and not get tied down into doing the mundane kind of data processing and things of that nature, pushing numbers from one system to another. We're looking to work with clients to kind of automate all those processes, which adds tremendous value in terms of, you know, reducing errors within that human error side, improves uh, the kind of efficiencies of the data and reducing costs uh, and huge benefits as well for compliance, risk and governance. But more importantly, you know, it's actually improving people's working lives because they're not going in thinking, oh God, I've got to go through that Excel document again. It's empowering them. It's kind of, you know, actually allowing them to look at what they need to look at in the workplace. And I think things like technology is going to have a huge impact as we move forward in how that's going to improve the way that we work and more, more, much more efficiently and intelligently as we move forward. And I think that probably, we're coming towards the end, but that probably brings on to a point that would just be interesting just finishing off with both of you and your opinions. People that have come from Manchester, gone away, come back, set up businesses. We've talked about all the reasons of the community, everything that's going on here, which is all brilliant. However, what do you think we're going to become? Do you think we're going to become something that we don't, where it becomes too sparse, there's too many people coming in, or do you think we will keep that feel up? So where do you think Manchester will be in another five years? Mm. God. <laughs> that's one to end on. It's like a mic drop moment, isn't it? You know. I don't know. I mean... You'd like to think it would stay the same, wouldn't you? Yeah. As it grew. But, you know, you think if London was the size of Manchester, would it have a culture the same as Manchester? There's a lot to be said around, as Martin pointed out, the fact that it's such a, a great community has a lot to do with its size as well. Because you're always bumping into the same people. You get to know people and therefore you become a community. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure in London there are lots of pockets of communities, maybe. Yeah but not an overall general community. So I don't know. I think as we get bigger, I'd, I'd love to hope that that sense of community and, and sort of sharing, knowledge sharing would, would, would continue. Okay. Is it me? Have I got an answer? Yeah. Yeah, you've got an answer. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I needed need more time there. to <laughs> think, Christian. <laughs> Martin's um, thinking about his London yeah. clients now as well as in Manchester. Yeah. 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 yeah, I know, yeah. I've just insulted them all in an hour's time. But, um, <laughs> No, I think, I mean, in terms of how Manchester's going to change the next five years, I mean, you can see it already in the kind of development plans. If you're, if you're in a, a very well-known rooftop bar in Manchester and you look out, the amount of cranes that you can see with the red lights on, and all of those are kind of a five-year horizon. So we're going to see, and as you said before, you know, the kind of projected uh, growth of 100,000 plus kind of resi people that are going to live in Manchester, that's going to have a huge impact because they're going to need restaurants, they're going to need bars, they're going to need all these accompanying things that go with them to, to help them have that lifestyle. Even even shops. If you look at city centre at the moment, there's not a huge amount of food shops in the city centre. So even just little things like that, I think we're going to see crop up. Do I think that's going to impact on the, the kind of that communal feel? I, I don't think, or I'd like to think it wouldn't, because a lot of that is driven by the groups again. So as long as there's great people out there that are kind of organising these get-togethers and are kind of driving that forward and creating that culture and that kind of, you know, shared environment, I'd like to think that's not going to impact on it too much. It might even improve it because, again, you're going to have that kind of influx of people that have got new ideas to share. They're going to bring a new kind of aspect that they want to bring to it. So I think it's quite exciting. 
how we're going to go up in terms of the infrastructure, I've no idea. Mancunian Way probably outdated 15 <laughs> years ago, so yeah, that is <laughs> I a don't big know problem. how we're going to. Yeah. So again, that's going to take a lot of kind of investment in the infrastructure, and I know yeah. that council and things are already kind of looking at that, but that has got to keep that pace up because obviously you can't have a city centre that's just grinding to a halt every yeah. time it's nine o'clock and every time you're trying to get home at six. So. I think things like that we've got to look at. But as I say, hopefully, if we can kind of bring it all together, then a lot of these things we can kind of turn into a positive. It'll be the benefit of everyone. Sounds brilliant. So more metropolitan, but we're going to keep the community. Hopefully. I hope so. I think we have done, though, haven't we? Yeah. So let's... I'm very much the advocate yeah. of the same thing. Uh, I think I'm, I mean, I'm in sure. agreement with you. So I think yeah. we, let's, keep, let's keep it, but let's keep growing. And yeah. hopefully we can be those solid northerners, which is what we are, really. So... <laughs> so Thank you. That's a brilliant note to end on. Thank you very much. So thank you, uh, Christian Hill, Martin Keller, and Zach Giorgio, and the fantastic Denisa for producing the show. As ever, we would like to hear your feedback. So if you have any comments, suggestions for future shows, people who we could have on, please email us on northwestify.podcast at gmail.com. We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, we have our page on there. Um, and also you can contact myself, Zach, or Denisa on LinkedIn and send us a message. Thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. Bye.